Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is uh, 135 in Edmonton. Matt, clean up on today's show. John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. We will tell you, Legacy Heating and Cooling pay no overtime rates on their 24-7 service repairs. That's how you build a Legacy, Legacy Heating and Cooling. I asked you early in today's show on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, who are you taking? you want the Leafs to win? Do you want Montreal to win that series? Or now that the Oilers are out, you don't care? Uh, I'd say about 80% of the fans want Montreal, the listeners to the show, want Montreal to win. This texter comes in saying, people forget that in 1979, when the World Hockey Association merged with the NHL, Toronto and Montreal both voted against letting Edmonton in to join the NHL. No sympathy for either franchise. That and the Toronto media is so arrogant down in Edmonton, I will never pull for a Toronto franchise. Well, it's not all at Toronto media. Let's welcome back to the show John Shannon, our NHL insider. John, how you doing? Just a reminder, they also voted against uh, Winnipeg joining the league and Quebec joining the league. Edmonton shouldn't take it personally. It was every team they didn't want in the so league. So why did, why did they didn't want to share the TV money? Right. And, and Montreal also. And, and what changed things for Montreal, John? Well, if, if you recall, the history of that franchise is very close to a, a brewing company, Molson Breweries, and uh, uh, when they found bullet holes in the window of the, uh, of the, of the Molson offices in the city of Winnipeg, they changed their mind. Wow. <laughs> they, they started to, they, they, quite frankly, Bob, they started to um, have a, a bit of a, there were ramifications about selling beer. Uh, across the country, and when it became quite public that uh, uh, certainly the Canadians voted against uh, uh, the merger, the expansion, whatever you want to call it, it became uh, quite evident that it was going to affect uh, share prices, beer prices, and uh, and the brewery had an amazing change of opinion. Yes, if I recall correctly, there was a bit of a Molson boycott of their products for a, a short-term period before Canadians flipped. Well, there's certainly an outcry, and let's face it, that was amazing when you think that was before social media. Yes. Uh, so it, hap- it happened quite organically across the country. Uh, uh, and then in terms of Harold Ballard, he was still angry because he believed the WHA drove up the salaries and all the players, right? That was well, it did. He, yes. he was right, um, but uh, it, it quite it, it came down to dollars and cents. They, I mean, let's face it. Both of those teams, they did not want Vancouver in the league either. Um, you know, a decade earlier, right? Uh, they did not want to divide Canadian dollar, Canadian network dollars three ways in 1970. Uh, just that they didn't want to divide them uh, six ways in 1979. I got to tell you, John, uh, and I think Toronto's going to win this series. I think they're better than Montreal, especially, you know, Montreal's banged up a bit here. But what happens if the Leafs don't close us out in that market? <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's contemplated that here yet. Uh, they're not nervous yet. And the nervousness will occur about halfway through the second period if it's 2-1 Montreal and Carey Price is still standing on his head. Um, because I do think that most people think the Maple Leafs have played better, uh, and they've done it with a, a totally different game than we saw from them most of the season where Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner were uh, 
almost scoring at will. And let's face it, uh, both of them are playing well, but neither has really been an offensive juggernaut when it comes to this game. We're joined by John Shannon, our NHL insider. John, we did a little bit of trivia today, and I layered it as follows. First question, uh, first hint, name the player, 13 years in between playing in the National Hockey League. The second hint was won a Stanley Cup. The third hint, and it was a little bit deceiving, played in Edmonton. The fourth hint was tough as nails. The fifth hint was multiple stick-swinging incidents. I never got to. I never got to the at, at at hit number five. Somebody texted and said, "Was it Joe Watson?" And I said, "No, he was teamed with Joe Watson with one of his NHL stops." And uh, and then somebody ended up getting Larry the Rock Zidel, one of the toughest men all time in hockey history. Agreed. Before my time, but yes, uh, and and I knew enough people that knew of Zidel and talked to Zidel, and, and in fact, some of them had played with Zidel. And um, but you never, you never talked about Larry Zidel without using the word crazy, uh, in as as an adjective. To me, it was Larry Zidel and Connie Madigan. Those were those were the two names that in particularly early in the original six uh, expansion in 1967 that all, would always come up as the guys that were right out of slap shot yeah crazy well and mad dog madigan's the oldest rookie in nhl history came in at 38 years of age which yeah i, so, oh, I, I listen I, I we all have mad dogmatic and stories from even from the old western pro league which is where i remember seeing him play more than when he played with the st louis blues but he, yeah. he came he came in as he came in as a as a 38 year old because the blues were getting pushed around again and so they needed some toughness right so they bring in a 38-year-old guy. All right, we haven't had you on since the Oilers were eliminated. Well, against... hey, the Maple Leafs brought a 41-year-old guy this year. Not for toughness, but they brought a 41-year-old guy, and it seems to be paying off. And Joe Thornton? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are the Oilers short of a little bit of veteran experience? I mean, they've obviously got an emerging core. You've watched Edmonton all season long. You've worked on those Sportsnet shows. What do you think, John? Well, I, I mean, I think depth and, and veteran experience always go hand in hand, and I, I, I certainly think that there's a place for uh, any veteran that can contribute. You know, let, let's, let's remember they, they they thought they were doing that uh, when they brought Kyle Turris in, um, and I I mean I I applauded the decision at the time, and um, because I don't think it was it was really uh, a major taxing issue on the on the salaries uh, to bring Kyle Turris in and hopefully Turris can turn it around and 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 contribute still but I mean I, I think you, every team needs a little bit of that I I totally agree and it's just that's going to be that's going to be Kenny's challenge this summer is to find you know veterans uh, and they don't have to be in their, you know, mid 30s or, or late 30s. Veteran players that can contribute on multiple levels. You, you need leadership, but you also need to be able to contribute on the scoreboard, or if you're a defenseman, make a difference on the blue line. What do you think ultimately undermined the Oilers against the Jets? Um, well, I, I, I think in the end, when you look at the depth of the Jets forwards. Uh, it became relentless. Uh, it, it, you know, when you when you were able to uh, add 
Dubois for one game and Ehlers the next. I mean, you're just, I mean, the arms race got tilted because you, you were adding so much more depth and the domino effect of, of moving Dubois and Ehlers into the lineup put Andrew Kopp down in the, in the bottom six and, and, and that strengthened the bottom six for the Jets. I do think that that was a, a huge part of it. Uh, and again, I, I don't think that's any secret from what, what Kenny's talked about. I know he, he's talked about his desire. He knows what he needs is from a forward position. He knows what he needs on the blue line. Um, and I, I, I said this all season long, I particularly at the trade deadline. I think both Toronto and Edmonton knew how good the Jets could be in the playoffs, and both of them went out to try to um, create add impact players to beat the Jets. Um, and, uh, you know, the bottom line is the Oilers fell short at that, and I would not be surprised if the Maple Leafs get through that the Maple Leafs fall short too, uh, based on what we saw with uh, how good and deep Winnipeg can be, particularly when Connor Hellebuck's so good. Well, when a guy's putting up a 950, John, it's hard to Sure. Absolutely. John, John uh, your thought, you know, Edmonton didn't lose the series because of officiating. That said, Connor McDavid played 120 minutes and did not get a single, uh, was unable to draw a single penalty. Again, yeah. the, Jets, the Jets were better. They, they had a great goaltending. Uh, they were they were one, one bounce or one play better in the final three games. Really, you could have the first game to let as well. Is it a bad look on the NHL that the world's best player couldn't draw a penalty call given how much he had the puck and that he played 120 minutes over four games? Well, if you look at him as a microcosm, Bob, if it was just in the Winnipeg-Edmonton series and you pointed and said, well, Connor couldn't do anything, um, then the the answer is there's probably some truth to that. Um, The bottom line is I I think before the series started, before the playoffs started, the NHL told every team that this is the way the standard is going to be called um, and and I think that there were there were situations in every series that were of comparable level and and people can you know bitch and complain about the officiating all they want but I actually thought the officiating from series to series this year was um, more consistent it may not have been at a level that people liked but more consistent than uh, than it has been in a long period of time um, and and for the most part. If you're if you're if you don't have a a horse in the race, for the most part, it created a great level of of entertaining hockey. Uh, and in the end, that's one aspect that the National Hockey League has to create is is find a way to be entertaining, particularly when they're on the verge of starting new two new TV contracts in the United States. All right, I'm going to spin this back at you then, and I'm going to you know the numbers would suggest through the first couple games of each series that there were fewer calls in the Canadian series than the American series. Do you think fans being in the building may have played a factor in that? I think the human aspect of everything plays a factor. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I think that uh, you, know, um, you know, no official is deaf, uh, and uh, and they and and they can be influenced too. Why do you think players whine? Why do you think coaches yell? There, there is something to be said for not the call that has been made, but for the next call. Uh, and I think that, uh, and I think, I think fans create emotional tension. And and does that have influence? You'd be nuts to think that it doesn't. What did you think of Wayne Gretzky going to TNT? Oh, I think it'll be great. Yeah. I think if Wayne, if, if Wayne has a way to 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 uh, uh, to tell some stories, uh, if Wayne has a, because we we know he has a great wit. 
We yes. know that he has one of the great historical minds for the game. Uh, we know he sees things that the guys like you and me don't see. I think Wayne Gretzky could be as influential on television in many, many ways for many Americans uh, as influential as he was as a player when he moved to Los Angeles. Does the combined reach of TNT and ESPN supersede uh, what the NHL had with NBC? No, it's about the same. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think it's about the same. I, 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 and because I, I think NBC did a marvelous job for a decade. You know, when you look at the amount of shoulder programming they created, the amount of games that they televised, uh, how they were able to use some of their own programming, like uh, 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 you know, the Tonight Show, uh, you know, the, the Today Show, they they had promised to uh, to to try to broaden the base of the hockey market, and they did a very good job with it. Uh, at times during uh, key points with uh, all of NBC's uh, different platforms, and I and I I think that's part of the sell point of going back to ESPN and Disney and and to the Turner world too. John, uh, the NFL and the NBA is driven to stars. They protect the quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Reed Wilkins passed a note along yesterday that uh, LeBron James actually goes to the line, free throw line, more in the playoffs than in the regular season. Uh, offense sells tickets. We know that. And do you think the American influence would maybe assist in opening the game up a little bit more, which may result in more penalties being called in the future? Well, you know that's an interesting question because um, the influences of the people in the game is—is it—is it just? I mean, do we want eight, seven games, Bob? Uh, once in a while, I don't see anything wrong. Well, with yeah, but, but, but hold up, no, but but do you? Because in the end, this is, you know, this. I, I was asked a question on another station in another city about how, how are they going to handle not having Connor and and Sid and Ovi not in the in the second, third, and fourth rounds. And I think that I see. I think that underlines in many ways. It might be a weakness to some people, but under, it also underlines the strength of the sport. Is this is the ultimate team sport? This is a sport uh, that you need 20 players. You know, protecting Tom Brady, who touches the ball 90 times a game, 90 times, doesn't throw it 90 times, but touches the ball 90 times a game. LeBron James plays 46 or 48 minutes some nights. You know, if, if Connor on a good night played 25, uh, the amount of times he touched the puck would be less than two minutes. And and it it it, it, it behooves the game uh, to understand that we are a team sport and we should stop in many ways trying to compare because we are jealous of the NFL and its attention and of the NBA and its stars. We should deal with the strengths of our sport, which is it's the ultimate team sport. If LeBron James only played one-third of a game, we think there's something wrong. Yeah, I no, completely disagree. I think we should stop comparing ourselves to the other leagues and the other sports and start bragging about what makes our sport the best team sport in the world more uh, more entertaining and valuable than ever before yeah i uh, completely I completely i you know here's the thing i expect the game to be the officiated the same way in the regular season as it is in the playoffs but why do you do that and i expect Connor mcdavid 
who's the best player in the world, not to play 120 minutes in a play. I'm not saying it's why the Oilers lost. I'm saying there's something inherently wrong with that. And I, and I think that it comes from up top and the people that have influence in that. And at times, I think they're more worried about the third and fourth liners in the league than they are the top players in the league. And I wonder if we need a change in that regard with the leadership at that front, John. So, well, and you know, here's, here's the good thing, is that the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers is one of the most influential people in the game of hockey. And, and Kenny does have a chance to voice opinions uh, that people listen to when they go to the manager's meetings and yep. they go to the Board of Governors meetings. And, and that's, those are important voices to have. And, and no darn well, it's great that now that Kenny's there, that that, that, that can actually happen. All right. Well, you're getting lots of response here, John, uh, as am I. And we're going to continue this conversation. We'll see what happens over the course of the weekend. Awesome stuff having you on the show. Thanks, John, for uh, hitting cleanup for today on Oilers Now and allowing us to reschedule, okay? Right on. Thanks a lot. That is John Shannon, our uh, NHL insider, joining us on uh, Oilers Now. Uh, of course, uh John uh, is on every Monday and Wednesday. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store to this uh, day in Oilers history. For Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel, in here... Here is uh, Brendan Escott. What do you got, Brendan? Back in 1985, Wayne Gretzky scored twice. Paul Coffey and Charlie Huddy each scored a goal and had two assists to lead the Oilers to a 5-3 win over the visiting Philadelphia Flyers at Northlands. Gave them a 3-1 series lead in the Stanley Cup Final. All right, uh, coming up on Monday's edition of Oilers Now, we'll recap the American Hockey League season that was with Jay Woodcroft. They play the third and deciding game of the Pacific Division Final against uh, Vegas's farm team coached by uh, Edmonton area product Manny Viveros. That'll go Saturday night. What does Reed Wilkins have tonight on Inside Sports? Oh, one sec here. It's not a fluid show. I got the message. You're going to hear from Rob Brown as well as Brian Wild from Global News Montreal and uh, Islanders radio play-by-play voice Chris King. There you go. Uh, up next, uh, Global News Weather Traffic Update with Evan Cook, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. Then uh, 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Have an awesome weekend. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chet.